Welcome to Aspen Insight from the Aspen Institute. I'm Zach St. Louis. And I'm Marcy Krivenen. How would sports change if athletes of all genders were allowed to compete side by side? The tradition of sports being separated by gender is beginning to be called into question. Some athletes say in order to be the best, they need to compete with the best, no matter their gender. On this bonus episode of Aspen Insight, you'll hear from three of those athletes. They spoke with our colleague Risa Isard with the Aspen Institute Sports and Society Program. Risa runs the Institute's annual Project Play Summit, and she's here with us in the studio now. Hey, Risa. Hey, Zach. So next week, like I said, is the 2018 Project Play Summit. Can you tell me about what that event is? Sure. The Project Play Summit is the nation's annual premier gathering of leaders at the intersection of youth, sport, and health. We bring together more than 400 of the most influential leaders from those three areas um, across eight different sectors that touch the lives of kids to say, how can we make sure that more kids in America, really that all kids in America, regardless of zip code or ability, have the opportunity to be active and healthy through sports? But this year you added a new topic, which is mixed gender sport, which is what we're going to be talking about today. Why did you think that was an important topic to cover? Yeah, so Project Play is all about making sure that all kids in America simply have the opportunity to be active through sport. And we know that in a lot of communities across the country, there aren't the numbers necessarily to field an all-boys team or league or an all-girls team or league. And we also know that having community teams, in-town teams, is vitally important to making sure that kids have access to sport. And so what we really want to do is look at the promise of mixing genders in sport and saying, what would happen? How would our communities be able to offer more sports? And even what might the social implications be of having boys and girls and kids of all genders as teammates together? That's really great. And finally, before we cut to the conversation, can you tell us who we're about to hear from? Absolutely. I had the privilege of speaking with Alana Myers-Taylor, who is the first American woman in recent history to pilot a four-man bobsled, which became a mixed-gender discipline in 2014. She's also a three-time Olympic medalist in the two-women event and is the president-elect of the Women's Sports Foundation. Uh, Joining her and myself was Joe Malloy, who's a world champion triathlete. He won gold in the mixed-gender relay in 2016 and was the top American finisher in men's triathlon at the 2016 Rio Olympic Games. He's also a three-time U.S. national champion. Last but certainly not least, joining us with Christine Lilly, who grew up playing on teams with boys to become the most capped soccer player in the history of the sport of any gender, playing in 354 international matches and scoring 130 goals, third only to Abby Wambach and Mia Hamm in the U.S. over the course of her 23-year career. She is a two-time World Cup champion, including of the legendary 99ers, and a three-time Olympic medalist. So these are some pretty incredible athletes is what you're telling me. They're okay at sports. They're okay. And with that, let's uh, cut to your conversation with Alana, Joe, and Christine. Alana, Joe, and Christine, thanks so much for joining me today. Alana, can you get us started with just a little bit of history? You weren't actually the first American woman to pilot a mixed-gender four-man bobsled when you did so in 2014, but you were the first in a nearly 75-year period. What's the story there? Yeah, so um, bobsled is one of those sports, you know, at its very basic level, it's just sliding down a hill. And I don't know who doesn't love sliding down a hill when you're a kid or anything like that. So um, there was a woman named Catherine Dewey. Uh, She started bobsledding and in 1940 piloted a mixed gender uh, team to the U.S. National Championship. 
um, pretty cool story. But then after she did that, you know, riding and competing against men and, and driving that sled, women were then banned from competing in four-man competition all the way until 2014, which is kind of crazy. But, you know, it just goes to show you um, how <laughs> threatened they were by this woman uh, doing bobsled. So um, with much pleading and much work by athletes like myself and other athletes internationally, um, women were finally allowed to compete. I'm sure we'll get into later with much struggles and, and triumphs and tribulations there, but uh, you know, it was really all started by Catherine Dewey back in 1940. That's a great story, and it's one I didn't know before you shared it with me. Um, why is the four-man so important? The four-man is considered the king of kings of bobsled. You know, it's what everybody thinks of when they think of bobsled, and it's faster, it's the fastest sled on ice, and it's like this weird kind of work of art where all people, where four guys or four, I guess, women or whoever are trying to load into this small sled all at one time. So it's really kind of like dancing. It's like a work of art in that kind of sense. So um, for me, it was really an opportunity for women to try and get two disciplines. Um, men are allowed to compete in the two-man and the four-man at the Olympics, so therefore they have two opportunities to try and win it, win a medal, versus women traditionally have only been allowed to compete in the two-man. So it never really made sense to me why women weren't allowed to. Uh, so I really wanted to get a chance uh, to do it as soon as I could. That's great. Um, Joe, triathlon actually predates bobsled, uh, introducing mixed gender relay in 2009. It'll be part of the Olympic lineup for the first time in 2020 in Tokyo. You won Worlds in 2016 on a mixed team relay and then were the top American finisher in men's triathlon at that year's Olympics. What are your thoughts on mixed, the mixed relay being added to the Olympics? And can you even just share with our listeners who maybe aren't familiar how the mixed relay works in triathlon? Yeah, sure, Risa. Thanks for the intro. The mixed relay in triathlon, it's a team of four people, uh, two men and two women, and you alternate genders. So either the male or female will start off, and then they'll tag the the opposite gender, opposite, opposite, and, um, and each member of the team will do a sort of mini triathlon. People normally think of triathlons as these big, long races. But the legs in the mixed team relay are they're about 20 minutes each, and during that time, you each person ends up swimming, biking, and running. Triathlon as a whole, the sport's pretty young. It didn't start. We just heard a story about uh, bobsledding in the 40s, but triathlon wasn't even a thought back then. It didn't start until the 70s and gained popularity in the 80s. So it's a relatively new sport, and um, and they're pretty progressive, in my opinion, on. Uh, gender equality. You've also spoken about how the guys and girls compete against a, a leg of someone of their same gender. Can you talk about why you think that might be strategically important for growing the sport in a progressive way? Yeah, I, I, I do. I'm a big fan of the way the mixed team relay is set up and that uh, the men are only competing against the men, the women are only competing against the women. But as a whole, you're competing as one team. I, I, th I think it's important in mixed gender competition that you're you're not setting it up in a way that it makes kind of failure inevitable for for one person or the other and and that works both ways and it I, th I believe it'd be an unfair situation to put a female against all men and I also think it'd be an unfair situation to put a male against all females 
mainly because of the stories we tell ourselves. You know, a big part of gender in sports is what story are we telling? And I, I, I think that's that's the heart of the debate between men's and women's sports because as a whole and as a competitive kind of thing, they're really the same. But the stories we tell ourselves is, are different. The language we use is different. Yeah. So what you said, right, the stories we tell ourselves about who we are as athletes and as athletes of certain genders, I think is really interesting. Joe and Alana and Christine, can you share your reflections on that? I mean, Joe, I know you've been on all male relay teams. Alana, you've also participated in Christine, also in, you know, mixed gender sport and also in sport that's with just one gender, your gender. Yeah, I'll start. This is Christine. Um, thanks for having me on. And um, I, I grew up um, in a time when soccer was, was just beginning to grow in the 70s when I was born and um, when I was playing, I just went out to play soccer and if there were boys on the team, there were boys on their team. If there were girls on the team, there were girls on the team and it, I didn't really think much of it and then I started to play a little bit more and got a little older and there wasn't really the opportunities for girls, like just a girl team. So I tried out for, you know, the boys travel team it was called. And from the start to me, I was like, okay, well then I have, that's the only place I can play, then that's fine with me. So my first mindset to all of it was like, I grew up playing with boys. My brother, I have a brother, I had cousins that were all boys. So there really wasn't, to me, it was just like, oh, we're just playing. Um, And then my experience through it all, being the only girl on the boys' soccer team and also the only girl or one of two girls in a baseball league, um, it didn't really phase me. And I think I hear more stories from my parents about some comments here and there. But overall, the experience was pretty phenomenal. I think there was a moment when you, you hit puberty and then you might have had a crush on a boy and then they didn't like you and then they didn't pass you the ball. Um, but those were fun stories to laugh about. Um, but for the most part, the experience was pretty incredible. And I had only one story um, when I played uh, with the boys. My parents had refreshed my memory on it. We went up to Niagara Falls to play in a tournament and we got ready to go out on the soccer field. The other coach of the team talked to the referee and the referee came to our team and talked to our coach. The referee told our coach, well, um, you can't play because you have a girl on your team. And he was like, okay. So he brought everyone together. And my team as a whole decided not to play because if I couldn't play them, then we're not playing. So to me, the experience I had and people standing up for the right things, even though maybe at the time they didn't really know what they were standing up for, was pretty incredible. But I, like I said, I didn't have a bad experience playing with boys. I grew up with it. I didn't know the difference. Um, I enjoyed it because it was just like you're going to the park and playing with a bunch of kids. Um, and really um, something that it's so great to see there these relays that are starting or that have been there. I mean, I would love to go have a play game and play with Messi or Ronaldo, you know, so it would be pretty amazing to sit on a field with some of the best men soccer players in the world with the women. So I think that's pretty exciting. And that's what's pretty cool. Like, as you mentioned, Christine, growing up, you don't really know the difference. You're just out there playing. So most of my experience was right. out there playing in the yard, um, stick ball or kickball or what have you. And, and you don't really know the difference, uh, it, whether it's a man or, or a girl or a boy. It doesn't really matter. You just want to mm-hmm. go out there and enjoy the game. And I think having those kind of experience shapes your relationships with gender later in life. So um, obviously in a formal setting, my bobsled career um, – you know, it wasn't until I was, what, seven years into the sport where I finally got the opportunity 
to compete in mixed gender. Uh, but because I had those experiences later on or early on in my career at, at the youth level with boys and everything like that, it wasn't something that really intimidated me. It wasn't something that I was looking at, oh, I'm going to be the first woman to compete with these men or, or whatnot in 75 years, and I'm intimidated by it. It was like, no, I, I could play with boys when I was younger. Um, it wasn't anything that I was ever intimidated by and, uh, and something I always had support under and something that was always encouraged, just go out there and play. So I kind of approached it with that same sense. Mm, that's awesome. And isn't that amazing that it, it almost comes naturally to kids that we're just out here for a game, yet as as we get older and more socialized, it's it's almost like we're taught to define um, our athletic selves in opposition to to something and and gender's an easy one but it's you know it's it's we'll we'll get caught into defining it in the opposition to different positions or different sports or different talents and um one of the one of the kind of cool things about i think mixed gender is it it allows us to to get back to that kid self where you're you're kind of just being yourself. There's space for everybody, and and you get you you get to just play. I think also the the impact it has on the opposite sex, no matter either sex, you know, the the, the boys seeing the girls, or the girls seeing the boys. It adds some respect there, and I think the boys, whether they're taught like, oh, girls can't play, and then they see a girl play, they're like, well, girls can play. Well, someone's telling me this, and now I see it. <sighs> um, so I think it, it just adds that little a piece to. And subconsciously to all these kids' heads, like, okay, well, there's girls around, that's great. There's boys around, that's great. So let's play. Joe, arguably the most well-known person on your 2016 team was Gwen Jorgensen, who went on to win the women's gold in the 2016 Olympics. Can you talk about how she led your mixed team and what did it mean to be her teammate? So Gwen was, uh, at the time in 2016, the world's most dominant triathlete, male or female. She won almost every race she entered, and and usually she was winning by minutes, where a, a normal margin of victory in a triathlon is is comes down to maybe ten seconds. And Gwen wanted to be on our relay team, even though um, some athletes were kind of sweating over the decision because it was only a couple of weeks before the Rio Olympic Games. It meant a lot to the team just that Gwen was committed to it and wanted to do it. But she also brought an energy to the team. I remember she texted me the morning of the relay and said, Joe, I need this. And she was the one who set the expectations that it was it was win or bust for us. So what's made you successful in your mixed gender sports settings? I mean, what's been the role of your coaches or your teammates, your federations, your rivals, maybe your friends? Any thoughts there? Well, I think it's uh, whether it's mixed gender or not, I think it's the support of all the above. For me, the mixed gender part of it is just uh, knowing there's not a difference. I mean, that it's not a big deal. And I think knowing that as a younger, a younger kid and just playing, um, Never, when every time I tried something new, I wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm the only girl. It was like, oh, this is just something new I'm doing. Because when I was uh, I was about 24, and we didn't have any pro leagues le- left, and we just finished uh, the World Cup in 1995, and um, I didn't have anywhere to play, so I went to go play in the CISL, which is Indoor Men's Soccer League. And I basically was doing more so just to train. And, um, and I got there, and I was with older guys, you know, 
they're all in their 20s and whatnot. And I just competed and it didn't make me feel different. The only, the only way I, I felt different is I had my own locker room because um, they didn't want us sharing a locker room, which I get, but I was bored half the time. <laughs> um, so I think overall it just made me feel like there's, there was no difference there. And Christine, if, if you don't mind me asking you a question, what was that like you going into that environment and, and I'd imagine being better than some of those guys or more skilled? I don't want to say better. Um, well, like I said, so yeah, so I was probably tactically, I could, I would play and some of them I was a little bit skilled, but then the physics and speed and strength got in the way. Okay. So for instance, I was playing and um, I happened to, and I say this happened to, because I don't normally do this, I happened to nutmeg one of the guys. <laughs> and in soccer, if anyone doesn't know what nutmeg is, you basically are kicking the ball between their legs and, and it makes the person feel kind of foolish. And I... I honestly, I never do it. I, I, I get megged all the time. And I happened to meg this guy. And of course, all the guys were like, yeah. <laughs> and, you know, and then the next play, I get the ball and the guy's like beelining towards me. <laughs> and I was like, oh, geez. And but the coolest part is a couple of the other guys are like, dude, hey, take it easy. And those guys st stood up for me. So women could hang with the guys, but it comes to the, the speed and strength. That's where we would struggle because we do know the game. We're tactically smart. We can organize ourselves. And for me, it helped me become faster and play quicker because the guys were fast. So my mind was going quicker and quicker. And that's where I, I got better for that, that summer. I think, um, Christine, you bring up a pretty good point with that story. I think um, for mixed gender sports to really be successful, it's not a matter of like women trying to push into a men's sport or men trying to push into women's sport. It really is a collaborative effort uh, for both genders to accept it and to appreciate it and to be each other's champion, whether it's, uh, you know, the guys taking your back uh, when you nutmeg the other guy or um, whether it's, you know, women standing up for men entering a new sport, whether it's field hockey or some of the other sports we've seen go the other way. Um, it really takes both sides agreeing and, and wanting this to work for it to actually work. Alana, can you say more about that and how USA bobsled and skeleton made it possible for you to be, you know, a pilot for a four-man and also maybe any resistance you came up against from other folks? Yeah, so for the most part, bobsled is largely male-dominated. Um, all of our coaches with, actually this year is the first year we've hired a women's coach on our national team staff. Um, the coaches have traditionally been men with the excuse that, well, women don't drive for men, so they can't possibly um, know how bobsled works, which is kind of you know, crazy in that regard. But um, so it really has been in part of the champion of my own coaches and, and their support of me that has actually allowed me to do this. Was there any resistance or it was really people were, were all on board and ready to jump into your sleds? Oh, no, there's been plenty of resistance, <laughs> um, especially internationally. Um, and it's actually taken me being able to compete at the highest level and, and being able to be competitive with the men um, where I've started to change some minds. Um, but I think the more women like me, the more women like um, my Canadian counterpart, Kelly Humphreys, that go out there and just prove that we can do it, um, the more and more it's going to grow. And on, on that point, I mean, does growing it matter? Does growing mixed gender, you know, four man or mixed try or mixed gender sports, I mean, does that matter? I think it does um, because I think sport is a microcosm of, of what's going on in in 
the greater world. So I think in the Me Too era, it is more and more important to see um, how men and women can grow their relationships and work in functional and um, supportive ways. So I think if sport can do, be the example of that, it's only going to further extend into everyday parts of life. And um, it should be an example. You know, we're out here doing things that a lot of people wish they could do, and, and we're out here performing in different ways. Um, and I think if sport could lead the way in that in a physical sense, and then also in, you know, obviously what we see, the competitive sense as well, um, it, it will extend to other areas of life. Here, here. I totally agree with that. Yeah. I think the the impact sports has on on society in every aspect is pretty powerful. So, I think um, guys and girls getting together and mixed gender sports is is a cool thing. And I think um, it shows young people too that guys and girls can play together and have respect. And I think um, I think what your sports are doing is is pretty phenomenal. And I think it I think what you, probably what you guys are realizing that is it's so fun. And and I think that's when we go back to the why we all do what we do in sports is because it is fun and um to be able to keep compete with the highest on the men's side and the, and the girls side is is just the next level i think for a lot of athletes that don't get that chance because they're just competing in their own gender and christine you t- you you use the word respect which i i think is really key in talking about mixed gender sports because i think a lot of times the conversation goes to equal and equal opportunities equal equality between the athletes and and there's something above that which is respect and that's that's the piece that understands you know what i i have this skill set and you have this skill set and together we can be better and and to me that's what mixed gender sports say it it doesn't say that oh we we all deserve the same of everything it's it's that no because you're here i'm better and because i'm here you're better and and working to cultivate that kind of environment is is to me the goal yeah, that's huge. And so maybe just to end, as we think about the future of mixed gender sport, and Christine, actually, when we were talking before this, you said, you know, why are you talking about mixed gender? Why not co-ed? And how does all this come together, right? This idea of finding acceptance in sport for all of our differences and all of our strengths because we're different. Any thoughts on how mixed gender sport could open up opportunities for those who might not be on the gender binary. I mean, we've been talking about mixed gender sport as men competing with women and women competing with men. And there, there's also this emerging thread in, in sport today about the gender division of sport in the first place. And so any thoughts about the role of mixed gender sport in creating spaces for people that might not be uh, in the binary? In general, you know, we've seen all the benefits that sport can have, um, you know, whether it's increasing confidence or, or whether it's increasing self-esteem and, and leadership ability and all this kind of thing. And I think what we've seen um, from case studies of people who don't belong in the gender binaries is, you know, they often are lacking some of these attributes. So if we can create space for them within sport um, and and increase confidence and self-esteem within that population uh, through sport, I think it's going to have... Uh, repercussions on the rest of their life, positive repercussions. I think that's a very powerful thing that we can create by um, creating these spaces that allow for all genders and all identities. Well, I think that's a great place for us to stop today. Christine, Joe, Alana, thanks so much for your time and your thoughts. It's a privilege to have you all representing our country and sport and sharing your perspectives with us today about mixed gender sport and the future thereof. Thanks, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
The Aspen Institute Sports and Society Program is hosting the 2018 Project Play Summit on Tuesday, October 16th. You can tune into the conversations about all things youth sports by following at AspenInstSports on Twitter or by visiting AspenProjectPlay.org. That's it for today's bonus episode of Aspen Insight. We'll be back at the end of the month with a new show. Make sure you subscribe to the show and help others find Aspen Insight by rating and reviewing it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Also, let us know what you think by reaching us with hashtag Aspen Insight on Twitter. Aspen Insight is a production of the Aspen Institute, and the Institute is a nonpartisan forum for values-based leadership and the exchange of ideas. I'm Marcy Grivenen. And I'm Zach St. Louis. Thanks for listening.